This is Laree Daniel Favors, and welcome to The Hub. I love reading. It's my parents' fault. Blame them. It's above me. Uh, but the reality is, I feel like the literature, the content that we are seeing right now, it, it kind of just, it's amazing in that it is able to grapple with some of the issues that for so much of my childhood and life were, were sort of issues that were kind of on the fringe. We didn't really talk about them as much as I'm seeing now. I've, I've said before how I'm an, I was an Africana studies major, and I feel like I have used the words and heard conversation about concepts like uh, white supremacy, enslavement, pre-slavery, more in the past maybe since 2016 till now than at any other point in my adult life, which is significant. And it always does my heart such good when the authors in our community are able to take these very complex concepts and create a, an entire story and an imaginary world that allows young people and quite frankly adults as well to grapple with some really difficult ideas and 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 notions in very very powerful ways joining me right now is an author who is no stranger to that sort of contribution Tamika Fryer Brown uh, is the author of that flag on sale now and this is a book it's from number one times best-selling illustrator Nicholas Smith uh, who was a part of the 1619 project and this book called that flag challenges the meaning behind the still waving Confederate flag through the friendship of two young girls who literally live across the street from each other. It's a really phenomenal conversation starter for both older folks and younger folks because we do get to see this intergenerational interplay throughout the story and it focuses in on their friendship in such a way that we get to hear the history the true history of the confederate flag and uh, it is absolutely beautifully drawn the, the language is amazing tamika fryer brown it's such a pleasure to have you here thank you so much for being with us today hey Laree, thank you so much for having me it's an honor to be here it's an honor to have you. When I read the book, there were, you know, and it's a, it's a young, it's a young person's book. But again, there is something about targeting younger audiences about these very complex uh, concepts that makes it perfect for adults. And I had, there was at one point where I had like a, I felt a little eye water. I was like, my God, like this is such a, a powerful contribution. Talk with us about where the idea for framing the history of the Confederate flag between the as something that was grappled over between these two girls. Where did that idea come from? Yeah, so the idea for that flag came about in 2015 in the aftermath of the Charleston church shootings. And you know that the murderer of the nine innocent churchgoers was seen on social media brandishing the Confederate flag in multiple pictures. And in the immediate aftermath, there was this public debate that you know tends to recycle itself um, periodically as to whether or not the Confederate flag was really um, a hate flag and a you know a symbol of white supremacy, or was just you know about Southern heritage and Southern pride. And so I'm from the South, so you know I've heard that pretty much all my life. And I, you know, I was just not only distraught um, by the events of, of the massacre, the church massacre, but the fact that people were still having this debate in 2015. And now, of course, we, we're still having it today. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to, I wanted to set the record straight for our children. Mm -hmm. um, 
about what this flag really represents, where it came from, um, how it's still being used to this day. And so, you know, I write for young readers, um, the youngest among us. And I think, I thought it was really important to write it for that age group because the longer we wait to tell these kinds of truths to our children, the mm. more embedded and ingrained the influence of white supremacy and white supremacist culture will be in their hearts. But if we really want to have a better future and have anti-racism be not something we have to you know, struggle to embrace, but just a part of who we are as humanity, then we have to be intentional about planting those seeds in the hearts of our children you know, at a really young age. And mm. so you know, that's what motivated me to, to write this story. It was beautifully done. This idea that these two young girls have this friendship. They, they live across the street from each other. Uh, the young white girl, her family waves the Confederate flag proudly. Uh, these are two girls who, you know, are friends at school, not really allowed to interact with each other outside of school at home. You know, they, neither can go to each other's home. And, and, you know, they have this school trip. And I, I'm not going to give away too much, but they have a trip to a museum where the children, not necessarily together, these two girls aren't even in the same group in the museum, but they, the young black girl her father is there as one of the chaperones and they're, they're seeing what the real history of this flag is and, and that moment for me was a real powerful depiction as to why people who are banning books right now people who are against CRT and our audience is very clear that CRT is now the boogeyman it's not actually what it means but it was a real powerful example as to why those folks don't want their children being exposed to information because there's a transformation that happens that these two that these young girls experience uh, separately through this museum experience and just through seeing some of the things that happen in the world around them, that part right there, I was like, okay, so first of all, we know this book finna get banned because this is, <laughs> this is a real one. <laughs> She's having a real conversation. But that the idea of exposing children to the information and allowing them to draw their own conclusions when they're giving accurate history, that was very powerful. What, were, what was the motivation behind that particular portion of the book where that's how we get to learn the true history? It's not from a parent's lecture. It's not from an adult, you know, wagging a finger. It's through exposure to real history and information. Talk to us about the, the, the intentions behind that particular scene. Well, I mean, I think you said it perfectly. Um, it is exposure to information um, that is gonna make all the difference. Um, I, I am, you know, as a parent, I have three kids, they're, they're grown folks now, but um, I have always felt that it was important for my kids and all kids to, to be told the truth. Um, mm -hmm and be exposed to information so that they can learn to critically think and process. And sure, as the adults in their lives, we help them, you know, when they need help, they, they're gonna ask questions. Anybody who knows anything about children knows that they are going to ask questions. They ask a million why questions That's a day, right. right? And so they're That's going it. to ask the questions. And what we as adults um, need to be prepared to do is to engage them. And, and answer their questions and help them find the answers when, when we don't know, let's find them together. But you're absolutely right. There are a lot of people um, for their own you know, reasons and purposes who want to keep information uh, from the hands of children, from the hands of teenagers, young adults, society at large, 
so that they can maintain certain power systems and structures. And they know that if their mm. children um, are exposed to information that, that generate questions and that they come home and ask their, their parents about these things that maybe they haven't seen and observed and now they have a new perspective on them, the parents are going to feel some kind of way. You know, you always hear this thing about, you know, our kids, who, you know, if they get these uh, lessons and they learn this history, they're going to feel ashamed or they're going to feel guilty. The kids don't feel that. They, that presupposes mm. that kids, <clears throat> excuse me, are going to align themselves with the oppressor or with people who mm. have done things like that. You know, a, a young white child is not going to align themselves with, with those folks. They're going to be able to identify through, you know, reading the stories or getting the information that, hey, that's not fair. That's not just. And we know that children, all children, you know, they have this thing about fairness and justice. It's, it's, in, that's who, right. it's an innate part of humanity until it gets like channeled out of us somehow along the way. And so the parents mm. are afraid that you know, certain parents are afraid that kids are going to come and ask them the tough questions and challenge maybe, you know, things that they have said and the, the way that they have, have lived. And, and that's what they're afraid of, the judgment and the challenging of their, their children. So, yeah, I, I, I feel like <clears throat> that's the way to, to tell the story. I wanted to write this story in a way that encouraged kids to ask questions. Because mm. I think that's something that we <laughs> mission yeah. accomplished. Yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. You know, this idea that the children aren't going to identify with the oppressors in this story. We've had a number of folks who've come on and said there there are so many white people, white roles that white people have played throughout the history of this country in relation to enslavement and and racism. Why is it that the assumption is that the only group that you could identify with are the enslavers? Like, why is it that we have a conversation about, well, my children are going to feel guilty? Well, why wouldn't they identify with John Brown? Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't they identify with some of the abolitionists? Why wouldn't they identify with the people? And for me, it really is who the parents identify with, right? And who the parents in that conversation feel more alignment with. Because, you know, this idea that the the, the flag represents or the, the Confederate flag represents heritage. Well, there was resistance as a part of heritage. And it's always interesting to me that we never really talk about that other side of it. And that for me really says a lot more about who the adults see as the heroes in those stories, as opposed to questions that the children may raise. But but then there's this other concept that occurred to me as I was reading the book, and it's this idea that as parents, I was Africana studies major. My husband and I, we, we talk about this stuff. We teach this stuff all day. We have the words. We've got the books. We've got multiple libraries throughout the room. We've got the words. Quite frankly, most of us don't have the actual language. And I'm talking about Black folks. A lot of us do not have the actual language to talk with our children about these things. Now, we'll tell some stories, and we sort of see that happen throughout the book, but there's a point where at the museum, uh, this young, beautiful little black girl's father observes her observing the history and he stays silent. And then later on, there's a whole family conversation and dialogue. Talk with us about the importance that for a lot of us who as parents, we if we went to American public schools and did not major in Africana studies in college, most of us have the same low level of information about the real story about what happened to us as does everybody else. If that's the case, what is it that we as parents owe ourselves and owe our children if we're going to have these children, and we are, what is it that we owe them and ourselves when it comes to getting access to the information and, and getting access to tools that will allow us to, to have these sorts of conversations far more in depth than we currently mm. do? 
we owe ourselves the commitment to seek the information. We live in a, a time, you know, when I was growing up, you had to go to the library <laughs> to get all the information, right? Um, but now right. there is so much information accessible um, online. It, it's, it's, it's just easier than ever before. Um, we owe it to ourselves mm. and our children and our communities to, to make that commitment to seek out information um, and to seek it out from multiple uh, credible sources and then do some critical thinking and analysis to synthesize the information that we're um, that we're you know ac accessing. I was not an Africana studies major, and I learn more every day. And I follow you know mm. folks on social media whose um, platforms are about educating us about history, the truth about history, and I learn more every day. That is my commitment to uh, my readers um, as I write as an author. And that is, I, you know, I wish quite honestly that I was that in depth about it when I was raising my kids when they were young, but somehow they, they turned, they still turned out <laughs> to be quite <laughs> the, um, the progressive uh, young people. So um so yeah, I, I think that's what we owe ourselves, a commitment to, to research, to study, and then to, to share that information with the children in our lives and, and act on it together. How can we all do whatever it is in our own sphere of influence um, based on our own talents and abilities to make change, to make mm. positive change? That's, that's what we owe ourselves. Mm. Yeah. I appreciate that. And, and one of the reasons is because through this book, we see not just the transformation that takes place in our lead character, this beautiful little brown girl, but we also see a transformation that takes place. Well, we don't see it. We, we become aware of a transformation that takes place in the life of her friend, her best friend, this white girl who lives across the street, whose family had this flag waving. You know, this audience, it's funny. I was talking to uh, one of my board uh, directors of my board. Uh, the center for when I'm not here, I, I like do like actual law stuff. <laughs> so like, we had one of our we're having a meeting with some of our board members, and and they were talking about uh, you know the fact that we have to you know they, they wanted to have somebody come on the show. They're like you know, but there there's somebody who talks about racial justice, but they're white. And I know I was like we interview white people all the time on this show <laughs> because you know, they were very you know they were sort of surprised because for many people in our community having conversations openly, honestly, and as I like to say with your full chest about race is typically something we do in just all black spaces but this is a very diverse audience and i was so pleased to see that your, your this story doesn't just center on the transformation this little black girl goes through it also looks at in some ways the transformation that white families go through as a result of again access to information and seeing the real world impact of the decisions that they make what is the message to white listeners right now about their role and responsibility and maybe it's the same right maybe it maybe that commitment to learning is the same on both sides just shows up a little differently. What is the message through this book to white families and to non-black families about the way that history, this very same history also impacts them and the choices that they make? I would say that it is the same. Um, information is key. Acting on what you learn is key. Caring 
about mm. what you're learning uh, as it relates to your fellow citizens if you are not experiencing a particular type of profession, uh, um, oppression or marginalization, um, as you learn about it, act on it if you care, mm. right? Um, and, and I wrote this story um, with the perspective um, that, that there are people out there who can change um, when they have access to information um, mm. and when they care, right? And so, um, I, yeah, I would say it's the same. Um, and, and, and your actions are going to be different. They're going to show up differently. Right. Um, your, right. Hopefully your allyship will improve the more information you have um, and your willingness to act on that information in ways that support um, your fellow citizens who are undergoing certain types of, of oppression and um, various negative experiences in society based on, you know, the systems, the mm -hmm. power structures that we have right now. Um, it's just, yeah, I, I think that is why this one story works on so many levels for so many age groups and across the board culturally, because the message really is the same, you know, the importance of asking questions, the importance of um, seeking information, embracing information, making a commitment to understand and then act on it. That's the same across the board. Mm. Yeah. And I like how the idea that if you care, right? And one of the things that I, I try to do is artfully and, and sometimes I do it well, sometimes I bumble all over the place. But one of my goals is to be able to have conversations that inform and appeal to our humanity, right? Appeal to a sense of integrity and just a base level set of internal ethics. There's that word again, audience. We introduced that earlier this morning, but really in a way that that's going to tap into there's something underneath the privilege. There's something underneath the benefits that you might get from this system. There's something there that I believe is still there that if we can tap into it, long enough and consistently enough uh, will allow, you know, the group that one of my friends calls the righteous righteous, our allies and advocates and accomplices, uh, that would allow them what it is that they need in terms of access to information and a willingness to stay committed to, to sacrificing their privilege for the greater good of humanity. It's a heavy ask because quite frankly, when you're on top of the world and you're being asked to give up some of the things that allowed you to sit there, that's a, it's yeah, an ask. It <laughs> it's a big one, but it is absolutely necessary. And, necessary and I think that the, the, yes, yes, it absolutely is. And I, I think the way that you describe everything and lay out this story is just, it, it's spot on. And I think that, you know, I'm often a fan of giving children's books to adults for gifts, because I think, again, a lot of us are not going to read, you know, a 200 page book that explores the history of race in this country, but we'll read a 22 page children's book and you might have your socks blown off by the information that's contained in there. And your book is definitely on my list of gift giving uh, for this year. So those of you in my life <laughs> who are going to be getting holiday and birthday gifts, this is going 
going to be part of the package because these are the types of tools I think that very subtly and extraordinarily powerfully really help to unpack the complexities of this race thing uh, that's destroying this nation from the inside out, has been from its inception, uh, but doesn't have to, does not have to continue to do so. Uh, how can people continue to follow you and get access to the other content, the amazing work that you've already produced? This book is available now, and we always encourage folks to go to your black bookstores, your brown bookstores, your independent bookstores, and any other guys too. Uh, but how can people follow you and connect with the work that you're engaged with uh, from here on? Yeah, I'm pretty much on all the social media, Instagram, I'm Tamika Fryer Brown, um, Facebook, same thing, Twitter for the moment. Uh, I'm T Brown <laughs> Kidlit, T-E-E. <laughs> and, and then my website, TamikaFryerBrown.com. Really appreciate having you. Thank you for this work. You make my life as a parent easier. And I should probably say this to all the authors we bring on. You make our lives as parents a lot easier because you give us access to the words and the language. And and to my the point I made earlier, even with all the knowledge that my husband and I have, that's 30, 40 some years of knowledge. I got to be able to break it down to a seven-year-old and nine-year-old. And yeah. books like yours really help to do that in very, very powerful ways. Tamika Fryer-Brown, it's been a real pleasure having this conversation with you. Thank you for this gift. It truly is a gift. And y'all, this is what y'all going to be gifted from Larry Daniel Favors this year. <laughs> Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. Absolutely.